Welcome everyone, I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and this is the Bread of Life. This is a program of the International Disciple-Making Ministry Church Partnership Evangelism. You can go to traincpe.org to learn more about our work in over 40 countries. You can also find us through links at breadoflifeboise.org, where you'll learn about our local missions fellowship. For now, we take our Bibles in hand, and I'll invite you to turn to Psalm 23. It's a familiar song. The Lord is my shepherd, wrote David. I shall not want. When some things are so familiar, we often miss their secrets. But today, we begin to unfold the secrets of comfort found in this wonderful song. What I want to do is I want to consider this song just by looking at the very first line, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And we'll let that become our outline. David was a shepherd boy, and some have thought that he wrote the song while he was watching over his sheep at night. And David drew in all those experiences of being a shepherd boy, and the psalms are filled with it. Laying out under the stars at night, he would look at the stars, and then he would write psalms about what he saw in the stars above. Playing among the reeds or among the willows and cutting them back and seeing the sap flow, he wrote about the wonderful wisdom and joy of God that flows from the saps of the branches. And working among the sheep and shepherding them, he recalled that experience and wove it in, wove it into the songs that he wrote. Some have thought, again, that David wrote this when he was a boy and was playing out there working with the sheep. But if you look at it, you'll see that this song seems to be expressive of somebody who is retrospective about life. They're writing in consideration of the restoration they've received. They're writing it in consideration of the valley of death that is lying before them. I think that David writes this at the end of his life. I think it's a retrospective of his experience and how God has proved himself to be faithful to him throughout his life. I believe that in it, David is giving a testament to what he has found to be the true necessity of life or the true necessities of life. And he is giving it as a testament to who is sufficient to provide those necessities. I think the song is written as a testament to the true necessities of life and as a witness of who is sufficient for those necessities in life. Let's look at three things. First, let's look at the name that is identified here for us, the Lord. First, let's consider the name the Lord. The name here, the word here, the Lord, you'll see by the way it's written in your Bibles when you see a capital L and then a lowercase but still capitalized O-R-D. That is a translation of the word for Lord of the word Yahweh or Jehovah. Sometimes in the King James, actually, the translators will just let it be rendered as Jehovah. Individuals who understand a little bit better the way that the language was expressed and the form of the Hebrew have come to understand now that the word was not actually Jehovah, but it was to be pronounced Yahweh. But some of us are in the habit of saying Jehovah. So this morning, I'm going to stick with that pronunciation, Jehovah. It's the name that God gave to Moses when he came before the burning bush. Moses was out caring for sheep himself. He came upon ground where he saw a burning bush and it was burning but it wasn't being consumed. He knew that God was there. He took off his shoes and sandals and came to the presence of that bush. God there gave Moses instruction that he was to go back to Egypt and that he was to be God's voice and God's representative to lead the nation of Israel out of the bondage that they'd been in Egypt for 400 years and to set them free. 
Moses knows that the nation of Israel has been immersed in the idolatry of Egypt and they have scant understanding of who God is. And so he says, when I go back to them and tell them, the God of your fathers has sent me to release you from captivity, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say? And God answers from the bush and says, I am that I am. Say to them, I am has sent you. And the name, I am that I am, or the I am is reflected, you might say, or encapsulated in this name Yahweh or Jehovah. It is the particular name that God gave to His people reflecting a covenant or promise that He made to enter into relationship with them and to lead them into freedom and to lead them away from captivity. The name means I am that I am. It is a reflection of the eternity of God, the infinite nature of God, a God who proceeds and goes before all things that are made. We have been made and we have been created. And so when we speak of ourselves, we have to define ourselves with limitations. We are defined by what we were made to be and how we came about. We are from places we are from a certain lineage. We are crafted with a certain genetic code and all of these things to some extent define us or limit us or we are defined by those things. We have something that precedes us that defines us. We cannot speak of ourselves. We cannot give a reflection of ourselves without speaking of ourselves as ones who have been defined by something that went before us. Nothing defines God. Nothing goes before Him. He is what He is. I am that I am. Another way of translating this is, God says, I will be what I will be. There is no preceding, defining influence or power. He is the infinite, eternal, everlasting power that gives definition to everything else. That's what this word means. It is an expression, among other things, of His unchanging nature. I will always be what I have always been. There's the idea as well. He is unchanging in every way. It is an expression of His absolute and complete self-sufficiency. He needs nothing to complement or add to His life. He is complete in Himself, not true of any of us. Because we are derived beings, and we are divine by that which we are derived from. He is the underived being who has always been. He defines himself and he sustains himself. He is the self-existent one. No one, nothing gives him existence. He has always been the great I am. This is the name. This name, which the Jews consider to be the unspeakable name, they hallowed it so much that it is said in Judaism that it, the name was only pronounced one time a year by the high priest in the Holy of Holies. This name actually was given for all to pronounce and speak who claim Him for themselves. It was a name that was to be on all their lips as the God of covenant relationship with Him.
This unimaginably great name that you cannot fully grasp or get your mind around in any way because it is so infinite and so expansive and so unlike anything we identify with in creation. This name God gave to us, God gave to His people as the covenant name, their special name. I don't want to speak here irreverently, so please don't misunderstand me. Their pet name, their endearing name for God, the great I am, a relationship name. In fact, there are a number of compound expressions of this name. There's about eight of them in Scripture. Some say nine, some say seven. I'm going to share with you eight. (laughs) I'll split the difference. These compound names are taking this endearing name given to the people, this expansive name, Yahweh, and compounding it with a personal, relational experience of that God. And we're going to share with them with you in just a moment. But in this passage, we have one of those compound names. In fact, when you look at this passage, we read it, the Lord is my shepherd, but in the Hebrew, the is is not there. It is actually the Lord, my shepherd. And the compound name here is Jehovah Yahweh Roeh, the Lord, my shepherd. And here God has this infinite, this eternal This self-defined God has stooped to make Himself known to us in a meaningful relationship way, relational way, as our shepherd. The infinite, eternal, self-existing, self-sustaining God of the holy fire that spoke out to Moses on that holy mountain comes to us and reveals Himself to us in the dress of a shepherd. Now, I think it was Dewitt T. Talmadge who said that potters don't wear velvet. Have you ever made pottery? They don't wear velvet when they're making pottery. And scullery maids don't wear silk. And shepherds don't wear royal robes. They come before us wearing the rough and ready clothing of the individual who lives out in the fields with his sheep and deals and works with the dirt that gathers upon his sheep. They're not found in the palaces around the fawning favor that's given to them by acolytes or by yes-men. They don't live in the place where they have the fanfare of individuals around them, but they live in the isolation of the hills amid the company of the sheep that they live to care for and to provide for and to minister to them what they need to live. When you study the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, we read in John 10 that the Lord Jesus Christ embraced this identification. He said, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Please note, please note the grammar there. He is speaking the compound name, Jehovah Rohe. I am the good shepherd. The Lord Jesus declared Himself that He did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. The Lord Jesus, on the last night before He went to the cross, we picture Him not simply wearing the shepherd's robe. And by the way, 
The robe that the Lord Jesus wore was not a fine robe. We're told that it was a seamless robe, but that means it was probably like a gunny sack with a hole cut for his head and two holes cut for his arms. It wasn't of any particular value that he wore when he walked among us as a shepherd. And on that last night, he's not even wearing the shepherd's robe. Instead, he's wearing the servant's towel. And he's washing his disciples' feet. And it is something of the expression of Jehovah God. The Lord Jesus is not coming up with some new form or new identification for God among us. The Lord Jesus at this moment of time is revealing to us what God has already claimed Himself to be among us. The Good Shepherd. The One who serves. The Lord Jesus came to show us how the Good Shepherd would live among His sheep. And how far the Good Shepherd would go for the sake of His sheep. He said, I am the Good Shepherd. And the Good Shepherd lays down His life for the sheep. He is one who comes to provide for our needs and to care for our lives at the cost of his own life. Jehovah Roe, a shepherd in rough clothes who lives with the dirt that gathers around our lives and gives himself and his life to protect us. Well, thank you for listening to the Ministry of the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministry, let me suggest you go to one of two websites. Go to traincpe.org to learn more about the work we're doing all over the world to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Or to learn about our work in your community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.